For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Dirt Talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dirt Talk podcast, Monday edition. Monday. We're back. On a Monday. On a Monday. We're back to make the dirt world a better place some more. Making the dirt world a better place some more to be to be better. Yeah, I listened to Monday's episode this this morning um, where we talked about WWE for a substantial period of time. I cut some of it out too. Did you really? <laughs> oh, wow. Well, <laughs> we are doing some good some good work in the dirt world. Yeah, it just was, it was a fun conversation, you know, and I would say that there's probably, not that applicable, but I would, but I would say that there's probably like a good chunk of our listenership who's like, yeah, that's really fun. So, and and that's an important thing. I think we, we need to keep it on topic. Talk about dirt. It's dirt talk. We talked about that a lot. We talked to some great folks. We answer great questions. Yeah. But there's also the, the dirt world is awesome. Don't get me wrong, but this industry works really hard and the people work really, 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 really hard. And there's more to life than just the dirt world. Um, and I think that's a big part of the dirt world is that there is this mm-hmm. other life outside of the dirt world where people are going fishing and hunting and taking the fifth wheel out with the kids and going to NASCAR and going WWE. There's this... There's just this fun world outside of the dirt world that everybody appreciates and loves. Yeah. And I think there is value in uh, talking about it and acknowledging that yeah, there's more to just work because I think that's one of the the big problems in the dirt world is that sometimes it just feels like it's all work all the time because you're maybe working seven days a week or nights and weekends and it's just going to, it kicks the shit out of you. If all you're doing is working, there's value in having more than just dirt in your life. I like that you bring that up because I saw on your calendar you were doing something fun uh weekend of Thanksgiving. Are we are you talking about that out loud? Am I doing something fun? Apparently on there it says you're going duck hunting. Oh, I am going duck hunting. Fun. Yeah. I'm I'm going in December. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought I thought I saw it. Sorry. Yeah, I'm going to go hunting with Danny George of Midwest Services. He, Midwest Services, they do a lot of work for the pipelines. So he started mowing lawns, then started mowing the right-of-ways for <laughs> pipelines. Yeah. And now does hundreds, thousands of miles of right-of-way work 
He does pipeline work, environmental restoration work, all sorts of, it's become a very substantial company that spans a substantial part of the United States now. Wow. Yeah. It's super cool. Um, and he also does duck hunting sometimes. So he invited me to go duck hunting. Where are y'all going? Do you know? I believe it's in Indiana. Okay. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, or it could be in Illinois. Those two states just blend together for that's, me. That's a good waterfowl part of the world. You should be good. I've never hunted for birds before, and I've always wanted to go. You've you've done big game, I guess? Like No, I've just shot small stuff. Oh, so, real small stuff. Yeah, like growing up, we would, some of the ranchers in Wyoming or whatever it was, uh, we would shoot their gophers because they dig these holes. The cattle gets their feet stuck in them, yeah. bre- break stuff it causes a mess. So they just want them gone. Not that we were all that effective in eradicating gophers, but... But they're just like, I'll give you a nickel for every gopher you kill. Dude, if you have time to go, if you have the opportunity to go gopher hunting, it's so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. So gophers, muskrats, because they would cause a lot of damage. Beavers cause a lot of damage up there. Mm-hmm. So it's just little stuff. But I've, I've never had interest in big game hunting like elk or deer, but I really respect it. Yeah. And I want to be a part of an elk hunt at some point. And honestly, I want to start getting some of my meat and food from hunting. There's a lot of appeal there. We've gotten into it. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to figure out what my entry point into that is. If you have any spare elk meat, send it my way. (laughs) We know a guy. (laughs) I, I will happily take, happily take, Whatever you got. Oh, yeah. I, for a person who's never been hunting before, speaking of myself, I have spent a lot of spare time watching videos of bird dogs. Dude, bird dogs, I, man. I can't get enough of it. This oh, is the coolest thing. A good... I to, have, I, have I talked about the T. Boone Pickens thing with his bird dogs? No. So there was a guy, T. Boone Pickens, big oil billionaire. And this guy was just a legend. He just, he had a crazy life, crazy, crazy life. He was one of the original corporate raiders where he would go in and buy companies 30 times the size of his his company somehow. (laughs) And there's a great book. I think it's just called Boone, B-O-O-N-E, about his life. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a fantastic book. I'm thinking of rereading it. And Someone, and I don't know if it was in the book or not, someone asked them, so T-Boone, when did you know you'd kind of made it? I mean, you're, you're a billionaire now. When, when was that time in your life where you just, holy smokes, I've, I've made it. And he said, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a big bird hunter. And he had, I think it was maybe a 100,000 acre ranch in Texas that he turned into a bird hunting sanctuary. Cool. So he drilled wells and planted hundreds of thousands of trees and just made it an extraordinary bird hunting uh, paradise big bird hunting. So I've always been in bird hunting. And he said, when you're bird hunting, you need a good bird dog. And then you you start to get a little bit of money and now you can get a better bird dog because bird dogs are really expensive. Yeah, and for sure. Like a proper bird dog. There is so much training that goes, I mean, they're like the military dogs or the bomb sniffing dogs. It's, it's a highly specialized. I mean, it's like a year. They, they basically ship them off. Yes. And historically, the, that's what most dogs were bred for for hunting mm-hmm. and a lot of them are bird dogs, you know, historically bird dogs. Yeah. So they have that even in their lineage. Um, uh, so he said, you know, I, I had, I had one bird dog, then I got another bird dog and I walked into my kennel and I had 12 bird dogs. <laughs> and that's when I knew I, I, you know, I, I was really somewhere in life. 
Yeah. Hilarious. And it's such just a simple way of looking at life. Not in cars or houses, but in... Like bird dogs. How many bird dogs do you have? Man. You have a kennel full of bird dogs. You're, would, in, you're in business. I would say the like... My love for bird dogs is probably the most southern thing about me. Because um, I did not grow up in the south. But I... Obviously, lo- I mean, I've lived here for 10 years. It's certainly where I'm going to raise my kids and mm-hmm. do my whole life here. Um, but I would say the, the most Southern thing about me is my love for bird dogs. My in-laws had like a English pointer and an English setter. Um, we had a like a little like brown English cocker spaniel that failed hunting training. Oh, She was gun shy. So it was just like she was badass at all the stuff, but like, when we when there would be fireworks outside, she'd mm-hmm. like hide under the bed. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I can it's understand good, why. Not a good bird dog. But like, man, I just like fell in love with bird dogs. And now I'm just like, you know, scrolling through Reddit or something and be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'll watch that video. I'll watch that video of that guy running his, you know, Boykin Spaniel or whatever out there. Yeah. There's it's a guy. So great. Uh, I run through a park in the mornings and there's a guy that has two, two bird dogs and he's training them out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you'll see the dogs just slowly just so crawling cool. around on the, on the grass and they're just, I mean, as slow as it goes, they're really, really well trained. Cool. I love and, that. And it's fun to watch. That's sick. Anyway, uh, Bert, bird dog talk? Bert, Bert talk? Well, we got into bird dogs hunting, but the original oh, point, to say. original point, I think there's value in talking about other things other than dirt because well, we did a good job. Life is bigger than just dirt. Agreed. As much as I love it. As much as he loves it. Now, I did say something that reminded me of something I didn't talk about. Yeah. Uh, I said the word shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, someone, Matt Briscoe, he sent me a, a, a comment of someone saying, well, you, 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 know, you shouldn't swear. It takes, takes away from your message. And it's, it's just totally unprofessional. And I've had that uh, feedback occasionally before. And I've actually gotten it in pretty significant trouble with it before, mm-hmm. not recently, a while back. And um, I, I have actually thought about this one because I've always, I've always enjoyed swearing. You start to do it, you know, in like fifth grade because it's the cool thing this to do. This is cool. Yeah. yeah. Saying, saying, you know, shit or ass. It's just, it's just a cool thing to yeah. do. And then uh, it's just somewhat became part of my vocabulary because I didn't raise up, I wasn't raised in a Catholic household and it wasn't very particular. And then I started to work in construction. In construction, it is part of the language. Yeah. It is like saying, hi, Alex. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, just, it's just part of the, of the lingo. And I worked with a bunch of Mexican guys my very first summer. What were the first words they were teaching me? And I knew Spanish a little bit, but all of the Mexican slang. All of the Mexicans, and it's hilarious. It's it's just how to tell your boss to go screw himself, and you're a jackass, and it's a ton of fun. That's the first thing, and it's just the common language, and it's how you deal with those really hard days. There were days where it's 115 degrees, we're doing hard work, we're miserable, but we're telling each other to go fuck them, you know, fuck you, no, fuck you, and you're just having a, a great time, mm-hmm. and that's how you get through a lot of that that hard work and hard language, and it's. It's an important part of the industry. Not saying everybody swears, but for me, one, I just enjoy it. I, it's just a fun thing to do. And I feel like there's an art to it. And I'm still figuring that out of when when not to do it. Um, 
But it's, for me, it's a really quick way to connect with the people out in the field. And so I'm not just some college-educated photographer ass. I speak a common language with them when I, and you can see it. I'll come out on site and that's what I'm up against all the time is who the hell is this little kid out here? What the hell is he doing? I need to connect with that individual as quickly as I can so yeah. I can do my, my job and capture that individual in their element, tell that story. Swearing is a very, very effective tool because as soon as I do that, you can, you can see that the whole tone of the conversation change because I'm using a common language that, that is relatable. Um, and so that's just what I wanted to say is the people that say, you know, don't swear this and that. Have you spent much time in the field? Because that's pretty common. Pretty common. Yeah. I'm just saying. So I know everybody doesn't always agree with it. And I try not to do it too much, but also I've, I've really thought about it. And it's, it's, it's a tool that I use to just be relatable to people. And it's a lot of fun. So if you don't swear, try it sometime. Well, and it's like, it's a great time. Also you being your authentic self, you're not like, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm when not. I get home, I put on my angel outfit with my angel wings and my halo and Correct. I would never say any of those words, but out in the field, I got to make it look no, like no, I'm no. rugged. And, and, yeah, exactly. And I don't want it to be misconstrued into thinking, oh, okay. So now he's in the field. So now he's saying shit. You know, I just, I kind of just say it all the time. That's why, that's why. I have been a little self-conscious about it, like on the podcast or the vlog, but it's like, no, 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 this is just how I talk. So I need to talk like this here too. Yeah. I try to be just across the board with it. I mean, even like, I'll, you know, this is like, if I was having a conversation with my mom, it'd be the same language. Sorry, mom. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if it bothers her or not, but that's just how it is. I've found been my in the company calls and yeah. it, it's just, it's all the same. Pretty. Yeah. Yeah. You, you did at one point switch you started saying shoot the poop, which always kind of like makes me giggle because it's not like That's an Aaron because Witt. it's funnier, yeah, I think. It, it just like makes an, me crack up. It's like an Aaron Witt catchphrase now. Yeah. Instead of shoot the shit, I like saying shoot the poop just because it's, it's I think it's funnier. Yeah. And it just kind of makes you like, oh, it's so funny. Like you're shooting the poop because the word poop is just funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah We're anytime, both men. Come on. <laughs> anytime someone says poop or makes a poop joke, it's just, it's always funny yep. and will always be funny. Man, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I read something recently. It was basically talking about like when you become like an adult man, and that this doesn't not, not apply to women, but it, I can only speak from a male perspective. Mm -hmm. That's like when you become an adult male, um, you're sense of humor usually sophisticates a little bit yet fart jokes still the funniest jokes oh yeah <laughs> like oh, they still yeah. supersede all the smarter stuff yeah or do you see this is i will always find this hilarious too you're just driving by and there's this wall with some graffiti on it and someone drew a penis on it yeah, you're like, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> so good <laughs> I don't know why. You're like, no, this is stupid, but I can't <laughs> help but laugh. It is so funny. Yeah. It will always be funny. Mm -hmm. And call me some immature child, but that's okay because it's hilarious. Yeah. At least I think it is. You're not wrong. Yeah. Aaron Witt. Yeah. I mean, look inside of a, a porta potty. Read the walls <laughs> of a porta potty. <laughs> well, uh, probably a lot of our um, listeners have used a porta potty. 
probably pretty often at work. And so that's a relatable piece of content. Yeah, there we go. We're back, baby. <laughs> you see some you see some amazing artwork on the side <laughs> of a part of body. <laughs> oh man. I'm sure like if you worked cleaning out porta potties, you could make one hell of a social media channel posting pictures just that. of all of the messages you've seen on the side of a porta potty. I do love there are some great social media channels that like go really specific like that that I've always found really yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Like there's one that's like pictures of dive bars, but it's specifically just cheap beer on the bar at a dive bar. It's that's the only content. Yeah, so. I'm like that's awesome because that's like so specific and people know what you're about. Mm-hmm. And like I love that. I that's think, so cool. Well, there's there's a great uh, social media brand for someone if you work at a porta potty company, take pictures of the stuff you see on the sides of porta potties because I've there's some funny stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you start that brand, just uh. Tag build with tag Aaron Witt in it a little bit. Yeah, sure. I would like just, to see just it. So we know it exists. I, Not that like I would like to see Aaron it. Aaron Witt. Really into porta yeah, potty humor. Yeah, love porta potty humor. Because <laughs> some of it is you read it. And, mm, thank goodness it's on a porta potty on the internet, because that would not go over well. Now I'm thinking about, you know, there's potty humor, which is like a yeah. genre. Now I'm thinking about porta potty humor, Ooh. which is like even more specific. Maybe it already exists. I'd be surprised if this didn't already exist. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're the first ones to think about this. Maybe maybe we're just like opening people's eyes to it. You know what I mean? We're doing good work here. Anyway, dirt talk, baby. Dirt talk, questions. Yeah, some really great questions this week. Not that every week the questions aren't great, cool. but um, some real solid ones. So uh, first one from Samuel. He says, I want to take my business to the next level. What's the best way to get out there in front of developers, GCs? I have experience in pipe work and dirt work from working at two larger site contractors. Um, and he says, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Samuel Site Service. The guy's a genius. Yeah, so he cleverly included his his name to get the immense advertising value that is a shout-out on the Dirt Talk podcast. There you go, Samuel. For, I don't know, we could charge like at least $3 for that. I mean, we've been approached by some brands I've heard of to advertise on Dirt Talk. Yeah. And that were mostly like, you haven't listened to the podcast though, because uh, we usually no. say no. No, but but there you, you know, go, Samuel. Yeah. So we're I mean, we're giving him immense advertising value though. What a guy. At least yeah, three to five dollars worth. Um, I <clears throat> man, the one of the most effective ways to do it, social media. We just talked about this on our mm-hmm. internal podcast. Um, if you want to get in front of people, developers, GCs, that kind of thing, LinkedIn is where it's at. Uh, share your work on LinkedIn, talk about your story on LinkedIn. And then go in, if you go want to go work for a GC, say Turner, for example, you search Turner on LinkedIn and look up, okay, so this guy's site superintendent, connect, this guy, PM, connect, and start connecting with people at the GCs or developers you want to go work with. Maybe send them some messages. Hey, just so you know, just started out. If you guys, I know you're local, I know you have some projects going on. If you need another subcontractor to, to add to the bid list, let me know. I'm, I'm just... You know, I'm, I'm trying to start my company here and I've always admired what you guys do. Here you go. Most of the time, maybe not, you won't get anything, but probably the most effective way to do it these days is at least what, that's what I would do if I was starting a, a, a company. It's it's interesting that like the getting your name out there thing, it's really seems fragmented in terms of like, you know, if you want to use social media just to kind of build up your online presence, 
It's like, that's great. You can get a website. Like, that's great. You can get an Instagram account. That's great. You can get a Facebook account, whatever. You can do all those things. But that's different than like, if you want to get the attention, you want to be on the map, you want to be on someone's radar who like bids out this work to subs. Mm -hmm. That's different than all of those other things. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, I guess is, is LinkedIn the only real way to do that or just like kind of the most like probably the best ones way to makes do it. most sense. Yeah. It's probably the best way to do it. I mean, you could do it old school too. You can take people to lunch, for example, um, or, you know, find someone, connect with someone at a big GC, mm-hmm. you know, Jay Dunn right next door. They're the, the jive turkeys just blowing the hell out of the, the neighborhood right now. You just walk up with a 12 pack of donuts. <clears throat> no, just find a, a PM over there and, and look them up and say, Hey Jeff, I, I am, am new to site development, just started a company and I'm not even, I'm not even looking for anything. I would like to just take you to lunch and learn about your guys' company. I've always admired the, this contractor and, uh, I'm trying to get my, get my foot in the door. So I just, can I take you to lunch, talk about it and get some advice on how to do that? You'll get amazing advice and it costs you $50 for lunch. Yeah. That's pretty affordable. Totally worth it. Um, it, it's so it's not just this efficient way of mass messaging everybody on LinkedIn. Don't be one of those guys. There's still a lot of value in inefficiency, as Andy Frisell always says. So I would look for those points of inefficiency too. Can you take people to lunch? Can you go to an AGC meeting where these guys are and just introduce yourself? There's a lot of things you can do um, that I think will will add value if you go get a job. Maybe you go buy a uh, tractor trailer um, trailer yeah, and put your brand on the side of it. And so it costs you, I don't know what a garbage trailer costs, 50 foot trailer, 53 foot, whatever they yeah. are standard, but it's not that much, not that much. You can park it there while you're doing your work. People will just see it. That's pretty good brand recognition. Do, do some people, like if you're starting a business, um, in, in this industry specifically, do do a lot of companies try to start getting like public work just to kind of like start getting it, and then they? No, most of the time it's first private work. They start if you private. Start it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because there's much. There's just less hoops to jump through. Sure. I guess I'm thinking the jobs more like are smaller. The a lot of times, you know, just with the way that like bidding works for public work versus private. I don't know if that like to me like sounds like less uh, less competitive. Yes, but you have to be qualified a lot of times now. You can't just like show up and be like, "We can do it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't just be Alex Horton Contracting LLC that you formed yesterday and bidding a ten million dollar job. Yeah, so I'll bid it and be like, "Okay, now I need to find out what machines I need to rent." Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> and I'm find sure people you to could drive do them, it, and- but yeah, typically it's okay. I'm going to start doing driveways or in the GC world, bidding to GCs mm-hmm. um, and, and going from there. Have some proof of concept before you go start doing the public work. Yeah. Got it. And there's okay. not one right way to do it, sure. but that's what I've seen for the most part. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, well, thank you. There you go, Samuel. There you go. Um, one thing I love. Well, write into the Dirt Talk podcast and make a question about it and have them say your name on the Dirt Talk podcast. It's a great way. The biggest podcast in the dirt world. Self-proclaimed. Totally. Made According up. to us. According to. We will do no research to back this yep. up. Don't fact check that one. Um, one thing I love 
when we do these podcasts is when I get emails from people about the podcast while we're doing the podcast. Oh, that's I just like very love, convenient. I just love that. It's like, oh, that person can, oh, that person can do uh, the podcast I tried to schedule them for. Awesome. Do you, do or, you get a lot of emails in a week about the podcast? Um, it goes back and forth. Um, I mean, unsol- like if unsolicited, mm-hmm. I might get mm, five to ten. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. It's a I'll put I'll put this out in the world. Yeah. It's a huge ask for us to be like, listeners, get off your podcast app. Go to your email app on your phone instead. And send us a thoughtful note. And then type in our email address, dirttalk at buildwit.com, and mm. then type in what you want to say or the question you have, yeah. and then hit send. Like that's a huge ask. Well, the nice thing is we don't struggle for questions all that much, no. I feel like anymore. But that's what I'm saying is I've been so impressed and I'm like so honored and really appreciative of like the people who do engage with the podcast in that way. It's pretty cool. Because it's not easy. Yeah. You know, we certainly have some like um, more social media planning for just kind of how we're going to continue to grow to the podcast in a way that we've sort of just like let happen organically that like we can, we can do a lot more to get like, if we needed to go get a hundred questions this week, we could go get a hundred questions. Yeah. 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 But it's just like, you know, we're, we're trying to do something special at BuildWit. Um, we're trying to do, you know, obviously something special with just Dirt Talk as its own thing too, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. And to consistently have people who are like, hey, I have a real question about, you know, what, how can this benefit, you know, people who listen or maybe just me or maybe people who are starting companies like me um, that like reach out because they kind of want to hear what the perspective is. And I think that's like really, really cool. And I love being a part of that. So I just want to say thanks to the people who send in questions. Like, yeah. That's rad. And I understand that it is a big ask. So thank so, you. Uh, it's a big ask that, and it's a big ask for the people that have been on the podcast too. That's a, oh, lot, yeah. of, a lot of time and um, they're put in a very vulnerable position. So it's, I, I like to think they get something out of it, mm-hmm. but also it's, it's a big, ask. the funny thing a lot of a lot of times a lot on a lot of these episodes is we talk a lot about a lot about the podcast because i feel like we're learning as we're going here yeah and this has been a huge learning curve huge learning curve figuring out how to craft and in and a a podcast that's worth listening to there's a lot of options out there and there's a lot of people worth listening to and there's a lot to this and we try to bring people along well i think that that's like pretty on brand with the build it brand that you started is letting people into the like process of getting there. It's like, you yeah. know, you, it's true. You do post a lot of dozer pictures and just, you know, that's, you've kind of always said like, I'm, I'm posting pictures of bulldozers. That's like a thing you've said before. That's it. And that's like really true, but also like your, the way you've used your Instagram stories. But I think just like posts you've put out in the world in general that now a lot of people in our company do is like here's um, what was like a challenge that nobody talks about, but you know that we were growing in our business this week or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like let's just make transparent that like here's what's going on in our business because like this is fascinating and we want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think the podcast makes sense to talk about that stuff sometimes. I mean, we're, we're not going to take the whole opening section of Dirt Talk Monday Edition every single week and be like. You want to hear some podcast numbers? Like, that's stupid. We won't do that. But I think it is kind of fun to be like, 
you know what we're talking about today. That's part of what we're trying to grow. I did post uh, some of the data off the podcast on social media the other day. Oh, I love it. Just as like a, it's like a, a little a little flex. Yeah. Hey, we well, and and it's it's a, a shirt flex. I have a big ego. Sue me, but also, it's really really humbling to know that whoa, people actually listen, and whoa, not only do they listen, but they send in questions. And they write me on Instagram saying, wow, this episode really helped me out with this. That's super, super cool. And to know that that many people are following along. And my favorite is when I get pictures of some guy in a D6 or video of some guy in a D6 listening to the podcast. I'm like, that, that's cool. That's you, cool. You share, I mean, you share most of those that you get, right? I, tr- I try to. Yeah. 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 So anyway, third talk at buildit.com if you have questions. Yeah. Send it out. All right. Next question. All right, this question is from James. He says, I just got designated to start giving our Monday morning safety meetings with our whole company. Lately, I've noticed that safety and equipment maintenance have been two things that we are complacent in, which is why I decided to fill this role. What are some tips you recommend to breed a great safety culture and also tips to get guys to take better care of equipment? That's good. I like this question because... He's saying we're a little complacent at this, and I want to do something about that, which I think is really, really valuable. Yeah, like, first of all, hell yeah to that. Yeah, instead of just saying, well, yeah, our equipment program sucks or safety program sucks. Oh, well, that's pretty cool, Mm -hmm. and we need more people to do that. That's how we make the dirt world better is this next generation coming in we need to do things differently. We need to do things better. And that's our responsibility. No one else is going to do it for us. Mm-hmm. So if working conditions are not what they need to be, it's up to us to make them that way. Um, if there's not this new generation flooding in here and we have this workforce problem, that's up to us to figure out, come together, take responsibility for. Uh, so I really, really, really like that safety, not all that good. So I'm going to... Let's do something about it. I'm going to do something about it. And safety... I mean, I think everybody can agree here. Not always the most fun thing to do. Um, So that's one very cool. (sighs) Going to his points to safety, we've talked about this. And I think that's what you mentioned was get as many people engaged as you can. Be creative about it. Be clever about it. Don't just read from the same sheet every single week about slips, trips, and falls. I get there's value in in repeating yourself. And yeah. I get that slips, trips, and falls are always a, a hazard or a potential hazard. And I get that maybe there's new crews coming and going. And it there is value in repeating. So sure, repeat what you need to repeat, but aim to have a thoughtful conversation on safety. Aim to involve other people there in the conversation. It is awkward and weird at first, but man, is it cool to see when it actually comes together and everybody is actually engaged in it. Because at the end of the day, safety should be something that's pretty damn engaging for everybody there. I think everybody can agree that the goal of everybody on a job site is to go home at the end of the day. Yeah. Everybody's on the same page there. Yeah, that's not radical. It's not crazy. And so it doesn't need to be this dry, shitty deal. It can be, it can be interesting. It can be thoughtful. It can be creative. Where can you go apply some of that, that different thinking to safety where, you know, what are those things that you need to say and do? Sure. I get it. 
safety, insurance, lawyers, rules, great. But where are the areas in which you can be clever about it and can, can try new things? I don't know. So safety that <sighs> equipment damage. I've seen it where it's put into terms that people can understand telling people that keep damaging equipment to not damage equipment anymore is not all that compelling. Yeah. And so to start illustrating why it impacts everybody negatively and what's the financial ramification for, Hey, that wasn't just a ladder that you tore off. That thing is $600 and it took us X amount of man hours. And that machine was down for four hours to get repaired. And so that costs us this and that sets us back. And that's, that's a bummer. And that, that, that hurts the whole crew. It hurts everybody here. If we're not making sure our machines are being utilized, what they, what they, they should be. And we're making production and, and we're making everything happen according to the schedule. So I think you just need to put it in terms that, that people can, can understand and use transparency as a tool there and, and educate people on, it's not that we're all that upset about a broken window. I get that that happens, but here are the second and third order consequences of having a broken window. Yeah. And you like nice equipment. I like nice equipment. So let's all come together and spend more time making sure the equipment's nice so that it stays nice and we have nice offices to sit in and we all get on the same page and everybody benefits as a result. So I think you just need to cue people in on what that, that higher purpose to not damaging equipment is. And if it's just, if they feel that it's just the company being an asshole and saying, don't rip ladders off or we're going to fire you. And it's just about the company. It's not about that individual there's not a whole lot of incentive to do anything different right now. Yeah. And with the labor market right now, frankly, you can't be firing people for ripping ladders off equipment. You can't. Mm -hmm. You can't. You're not in that position right now. And you're not going to be in that position long-term. I promise you. I promise you. So you have, to, you have to put it in terms of how does ripping that ladder off that machine impact the whole company, impact the team, impact that individual? And allow them to see for themselves, yeah, it's it's in my best interest not to rip ladders off machines and be a lot more thoughtful and careful. And then just the approach that you have, approach equipment damage from an educational point of view. We talked about that with the skid steer. A lot of times it's this disciplinary thing where they go get yelled at or fired or whatever it is. If you're still doing that, that that's on its way out. That's on its way out, like way, way out. Mm -hmm. And instead approach it, approach equipment damage from an educational standpoint. If someone's ripped five ladders off of five scrapers, okay, that's a problem. But if it's their first time, hey, let's talk about this. What did we learn? Are we going to be a little bit more thoughtful? They already feel like an asshole if they damaged a machine. You already feel yeah. like an asshole. You don't need to make them feel like a bigger asshole. They made a mistake. Let's learn from it. Okay, hey, $600 mistake. We're, we got it covered for you. I just want to make sure that we've learned our lesson. What do you think that says to that young operator? Wow, that company just saved my ass. They just spent $600 on a ladder. It was my mistake. They said it was okay. And they said, hey, just, they were really thoughtful about it and caring about it and said they actually, and that said to me, they, they really care. What does that, what does that do? 
you know? So I think that's what I would say on, on equipment damage. I think that's a fascinating approach because we've, t- we've talked about, you know, just like the safety culture idea where it's like, you know, if we can get people, I started saying that in a mocking voice and I don't mean that I don't, I'm not mocking that, but it's like safety. What a joke. What a joke, man. Ah. Um, but the, the whole like I approach to safety culture as like, you know, if we can make it, make us think more about, you know, how are we, um, you know, protecting each other versus how are we like, how am I keeping myself safe or something like that? But I've never really thought about it from like an equipment standpoint. Sure. Um, you know, because we've we've talked in the past, like we we had a conversation with somebody last week um, about you know somebody who maybe has has damaged some equipment, um, and yet like he might have brought it up a couple weeks ago actually, where it was somebody who you know they did they like run a, a truck into a bridge or something like that mm-hmm. when we were talking about that yeah, um, and it's like that guy's now like their best driver. Yeah. That's really it's like Because they, they learned a real lesson instead of getting fired and be like, drug test, get out. Sure. And uh, why, uh, if equipment damage is a thing, why is that a thing? It's because people don't care. Why don't they care? They don't feel cared for. Right? Yeah. If you feel cared for, you're going to take care of things and you're going to take care of the business if it's taking care of you. That's the thing though. The business has to take care of them before they take care of the business. Big picture. Yeah. Sure. Is it supposed to be one a two-way street day one? Absolutely. And ideally, you hire that way. But shoot, if they're not caring for the equipment, they're not being cared for. And you have to look in the mirror and say, what can we do better as a business? Mm-hmm. How can we tell these people and show these people that they're cared for? Because they, they probably are, and you're probably caring for people as a business owner. I mean, that's why most people are in business. It really is people at the end of the day. But they're not seeing that, obviously. So I would approach it in that manner. Yeah. And it's squishy and it's not all that simple, but I think that's really the way to do it. And this is coming from a guy who is not an equipment manager, who has zero equipment management experience, who knows nothing about equipment management whatsoever. But based on my observations, that's what I would say. Sure. Um to follow up about taking care of people, um, I saw uh, something on Twitter today and it was like a clip from maybe like the Business Inquirer or something like that, just like online publication. And it was, the headline was Florida restaurant finds, or Florida, Florida restaurant ends their labor shortage by paying people more and giving them, or like allowing them to have more benefits. I thought that it's was like, funny. what a huge radical idea that is. Yeah. It's like, oh, they started taking care of people more. Guess what? They have no trouble finding people anymore. This stuff is not that complicated. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, oh, there's more equipment damage. Let's go yell at people. I don't know. Maybe let's talk to them about why there's equipment damage and yeah. what we can learn from it. it. It's not a very crazy concept. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about just like, you know, you've put a lot of language to equipment economics in general. Just like, you know, the 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 equipment is... Um, or it's easy to think like, well, that's that's what's making us the money is mm-hmm. the equipment. And yet like the whole thing that like BuildWit is working on is just like people, 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 people. Yeah. And the and the best companies 
already know that and already put language to that. Well, and this is where what we're coming out with in the training front is mm-hmm. valuable because, okay, sure, equipment damage, big thing. Maybe you're not training people effectively. If you don't know how to properly use a machine, you're probably at higher risk of damaging it. That's pretty simple. Well, if you've got a, if, you, if it seems like you have a cultural issue with people not taking care of the equipment, it's not because you have a bunch of people who don't know how to take care of or you do have a bunch of people who don't know how to take care of equipment, but that's not their fault. Yeah. If that's like a cultural issue in your team. Yeah. Well, and if you, and if you think it's just their fault, good luck. (laughs) Good luck. I mean, that's all, that's all I'll say. I mean, if you want to go keep blaming people, cool. I just, I don't see that as a long-term successful option. Well, I think that that goes along with a lot of this, just broader things that we talk about at BuildWit all the time, where it's like if if you're out there blaming people without like looking at yourself and doing any like self reflection, either as like a person or as just like a company in general, you know, if, if you're blaming why these these people are lazy and they don't want to come work for me, it's like well maybe look at yourself though, maybe see maybe there's might be another reason why. That's that. I mean, how so, many how many podcast episodes have we talked about extreme ownership? Yeah, all the time. So anyway, it all goes back to that, really. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, I think that's a Monday edition, my guy. Super. Uh, well, we really sincerely appreciate everybody listening. Sincerely appreciate all the shares online, people telling people about the Dirt Talk podcast, sending in questions. If you have questions, like we said, dirttalk at buildwith.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Dirt Talk. Stay dirty. Stay dirty. Stay dirty.